on near to another year end and the beginning of a new year. Uh, as I think about this new year coming up, it's a, it's a fun one, 2020. Uh, in fact, uh, winter whitewash uh, that is coming up at the end of January. Uh, be in prayer for that, please. Uh, normally, the most we've ever had as far as people to that event is 368 people. And uh, this year, we already have pre-registered 434 people. Uh, and so uh, we're praying that God would use the year of 2020 at winter whitewash, but also here through Paradise Valley Christian Church. And the vision, the theme for Winter Whitewash is 2020. And this idea of new and, and having God's eyes and, and being open to where God is leading is something that we focus on at this time of year. Something that we really try to work hard to begin to develop. And, and maybe you think about all the way 365 days ago, as last year was upon us and we began to think about a new year, we thought, well, that, you know, that was going to be the year 2019 where things were going to be different and, and things were going to change and, and, and maybe I was going to be a better spouse or maybe you thought I'm going to spend more time with my family. Maybe you resolved to spend more time reading your, God's word and spending more time in prayer, more time serving others. Maybe last year, you thought, man, this is the year that I'm going to get my ducks in a row. And it is one thing to have good intentions, and it's another thing to follow through. And many of you did follow through with those goals, those resolutions from last year. And, and maybe some of you here this morning might be saying the old saying of New Year's resolutions usually go in one year and out the other. I saw a recent article that listed the five most popular resolutions made most every year. The number five was to take up a new hobby. Fourth was to make more money. The third most popular resolution was to improve relationships. The second was to stop smoking and the most popular New Year's resolution, you guessed it, is losing weight, all right? Which brings me to a story of a woman that walked into her bathroom at home, and as she did, she saw her husband weighing himself on the bathroom scale, and he was sucking in his stomach as he was weighing himself, and the woman thought to herself, he thinks that he will weigh less by sucking in his stomach, so the woman, rather sarcastically, said to her husband, that's not going to help. And the husband said to her, sure it will. It's the only way I can see the numbers. <laughs> Oftentimes, at this time of year, after overindulgence, possibly over the holidays, we make resolutions to, to change our habits, to make a a new way for the coming year. In fact, uh, I think about even in my own house, I, I have two treadmills. That's how uh, athletic I am. No, actually, we, we had one, and then we got another one on a really good deal at a garage sale, and my wife and I at times have walked simultaneously on our treadmills together. And it's interesting. It's just at different times of the year, those get more use than other times of the year. In fact, as they sit in our new home, neither of the treadmills have either been even plugged into the wall yet. 
But a new year gives us an opportunity to start fresh and to better our lives, to better ourselves, to, to grow and to mature in our faith. However, at times, come the middle of January, we somehow forget our resolutions and go back to our old ways, which reminds me of a, a story that I heard about a man who had moved into a retirement community to spend the rest of his life there. And it wasn't long until he made a number of friends among the other residents. And there was one lady in, particularly, in particular that he was especially attracted to. And she was attracted to him also, and so they spent a lot of time together. Finally, one evening, he proposed, asking her to marry him. And the next morning, he woke up remembering his proposal, but he couldn't remember her answer. So he went to her and said, I'm really embarrassed. I proposed to you last night, but I can't remember if you said yes or no. Oh, thank goodness, she replied. I remember saying yes, but I couldn't remember who asked me. <laughs> it is so easy to forget, isn't it? The commitments, the goals, the resolutions that we make at New Year's. However, as we prepare this week for the new year that will take place on Wednesday, I want us to go to God's word and begin to pray through some possible biblical resolutions that we could work on in 2020. These are resolutions that we can always go back to as we turn to Proverbs 3, starting verse 1. Will you pray with me as we begin this morning? God, we're grateful for who you are and what you do in our lives. We're praising your name for the opportunity we have to gather together in freedom this morning, to build one another up, to encourage one another. And as we look to your word, as we turn to Proverbs Father, I pray that we would gain wisdom, that we would be challenged by your word, that your Holy Spirit would be alive and active through everything that we say and do. And as we gather together in your name this morning, may you receive all of our focus, attention, that you are the one that we're here for. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. As we look into chapter 3 of Proverbs, it's awesome to see how God challenges us and then also gives us encouragement and gives us promises and, and gives us hope for what might take place. And sometimes we, we get, have the mentality that, you know, the, the things that God promises us are going to turn out the way that we want them to. And, and yet, as we look, as Solomon starts off chapter 3 of Proverbs, it's some pretty awesome statements that he makes here. He says, my son, or in this case, as we speak to all of us here, my son or daughter, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Now, as we look at all these verses as throughout chapter 3, of Proverbs. We're going to go all the way from verse 1 through 32, but I'm going to go pretty quickly this morning, and so I'd encourage you to, to jot a few things down to remind you of things, to, to take a few notes. There's a place in your bulletin to do that, or you can do that on your digital devices, but as you look at the verses, we're kind of go two verses at a time. The, the first one gives a challenge, and then the next one gives a promise. 
But once again, as we look at these promises given to us, they don't always turn out the way that we think maybe they should. And so I would encourage you, as we look at these ten principles that we find in chapter 3, three principles that we can really live by, I pray that we would see that God has great futures in store for us if we be obedient to his word. And so as we look at verse 3 and 4, I would encourage you to have a resolution to let love and faithfulness never leave you. Verse 3 says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Love and faithfulness. Let these two qualities be the guiding lights in our lives in everything that we do. These must be foundational to all we do. And so I ask you the question this morning, do we show love and faithfulness to our spouses no matter what they say or do? Do we show love and faithfulness in the workplace to our coworkers or our bosses that can get under our skin? Do we show love and faithfulness to our children when they aren't willing to listen or be obedient? Do we show love and faithfulness to our parents as we live under their roof? Do we show love and faithfulness to our siblings? If you are to win favor and a good name in the sight of God and of men, you need to let love and faithfulness never leave you. Which moves us right on to verses 5 and 6. Resolution 2, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Verse 5, again from the NIV, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight, or he will direct your paths. And even this morning, as the elders met to pray before our first service, Bruce Peterson, one of our elders, mentioned this verse just out of the blue, as we talked about individuals that are struggling through different things. And maybe even you this morning are going through some things in your life, and you're having a hard time understanding You're having a hard time trusting that God knows what you are going through, let alone how to handle it. But let me remind you this morning, God's got it. God's got it. We just need to trust in the Lord with everything that we are, and when we do that, God will direct our paths. As a church, we need to look to God and trust that the path that he is directing us in is where We are needing to go. And so resolution 3, verse 7 and 8, says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Are you praying about your New Year's resolutions? Or are you just depending on yourself? Did you just look up an article on, online to see what you should be, you know, trying to do this year? Or are you spending time looking to God to know what you're supposed to be doing? Did you ask God for guidance about what you're to work on in 2020? See, we can't continue to depend on ourselves to always make the right choices in our lives because 
for many of us, we, we have a hard time doing that. When we have a true reverent fear for God and allow him to help us make decisions, we will be in line with how God is calling us to live. And so that verse 7 says again, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. As we jump down to verse 9 and 10, another resolution that I would encourage you to, to look at and pray about is this resolution of honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And that word wealth here is interesting because I think for many of us, we wouldn't necessarily look at our lives as being people that are wealthy. But the reality is, is that statistically, if you've ever made in your life $32,000 or more in a year, you are among the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. If you've ever made $32,000 or more in a year, you're among the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. Are we honoring the Lord with our wealth? Am I willing to say that in 2020 that I am going to biblically tithe back to God? Am I willing to take 10% of what I make and give it back to God, even if it stretches me in my faith? And I believe if we're going to be a church that's going to imagine more, imagine reaching even up to 3% of the population in the Paradise Valley area for Jesus, it's going to take a commitment from each and every one of us to give the way God calls us to give. And I'm not talking just about the wealth in your finances. I'm talking about the wealth of talents that you have, the wealth of abilities, the wealth of maybe time that you might have at your disposal to give back to God, to honor God with our wealth. Resolution 5 from verses 11 and 12 says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. And as I think about resolution five, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Growing up, I just, I just thought it was crazy uh, cool, crazy and cool, that some of my friends, they could go out and they didn't have to ever check in with their parents. They didn't have to like call and let them know where they're going or where, what they're up to or who they're hanging out with. And I was like, man, that's, that's such awesome freedom. Wouldn't that be so amazing? My parents make me check in and, and, and make sure I knew, they knew who I was hanging out with and all those type of things. And yet when I look back on that, I realize that the reason that their parents didn't have a care in the world of where their child was is because maybe they didn't quite care as much about where their child was or what their child was doing or who they were hanging out with. And, and I look back on my parents and I realize that, man, they love me. They loved me so much to care about who I was hanging out with and where, where I was at and, and, and what time of day I was out. They loved me. They gave me boundaries and guidelines because they wanted the best for me. And if I got disciplined for something I did wrong, it was because they loved me. 
And so as we look at these verses, are we willing to receive the Lord's discipline? Do we realize that God loves us so very much that he doesn't want us to continue maybe in some of the areas that we are continuing in, that we're a part of right now, that he says that, hey, this isn't what I want for your life. Are we willing to receive the Lord's discipline knowing that he deeply loves us and cares about us? Are we willing to make the changes that are being prompted in our lives through the Holy Spirit's leading? Resolution 6, there's a lot of verses here on this one, so I'd encourage you to follow along. Verses 13 all the way through 24, and in chapter 2 of Proverbs, it talks about this idea of wisdom. It, all throughout Scripture, it talks about needing wisdom in our lives, the fear of the Lord. Be, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, and, and so I would encourage us to diligently search for wisdom and find it. Verse 13 says, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she, talking about wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your, your sleep will be sweet. And as you think about this idea of wisdom and, and seeking after that, we, we can't stop. We can't stop. We must find wisdom. And wisdom and kind of is easily defined in two kind of general areas. One is information and the other is kind of the how-to and it's kind of like a farmer that has information it has he has equipment he has a tractor a cultivator he has a sprayer and a combine and, and maybe he has a you know grain cart and he has all of what he needs but then he also needs the know-how to actually farm to actually utilize that equipment he has to be able to, to know what to do and what not to do with that. How to use it and how not to use it. And when to use it and when not to use it. And where to use it and where not to use it. If he's going to be a successful farmer, he can't not only have the equipment, but he has to have some know-how. And in verse 13 through 20, it talks about those characteristics of wisdom which deal with knowledge and learning and information and intelligence and data and facts and intellect and experience. But then in verse 21 through 24, it talks about those characteristics of wisdom which deal with perception and discernment and judgment and reason and insight and prudence and discretion and just plain old common sense. And so are you searching, searching diligently for godly wisdom in your life by spending time in God's word and with other godly people really seeking out his wisdom each and every day? As you continue on into verse 25, a simple and yet difficult resolution would be have no fear. 
verse 25, have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. And I want to challenge us as a church, as a body, on individual levels, but also as, as a, a unit together, that we would this year not live in fear. And that's not an easy thing. It's a difficult thing, in fact, a lot of times. But when we put our confidence in the God that is over all and is in control of all, we can surrender those fears to him. It doesn't mean that we can be wild and crazy necessarily with our lives or that bad things aren't still going to take place at times. But don't allow your fears to control your life. Let the God that is greater than your fears control your life. Resolution 8. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. And that's exactly what it says as we begin to read in verse 27. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is, when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, Come back later, I'll give it tomorrow, when you now have it with you. And I don't know about you, but it seems like there's been times where I've said, hey, if you never need anything, don't hesitate to call. And maybe you've said that to an individual, and, and maybe they've called. Were you willing to help them out? Were you willing to meet them in their time of need? Are we willing as a church to, to be available to people, to be available when God calls us to help someone pack up and move their belongings? When it comes to providing financially for someone in need, are we a church that's willing to step up and volunteer as we begin a, a new ministry on Wednesday nights, a family night ministry, or maybe on Sunday mornings, are you willing to volunteer and be a part of, of what God might be nudging you to do? Because I believe that God is calling us to do good this year. In fact, he says he's prepared in advance good things for us to be a part of. And so I would encourage us to not resist the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit's nudging you in your life. Resolution 10. Do not plot harm against your neighbor. From verse 29 and 30, it says, Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. And I think about the idea of how we perceive each other, our neighbors, those we come in contact with, perfect strangers. How are we interacting with them? If we're going to have a godly influence on our neighbors and those we come in contact with, maybe at the store, in the checkout line, or a sporting event that we're at, or in our workplace, or anywhere else in public, we have to remember that they are not our enemy, no matter if they cut us off in traffic, no matter if they swear out in public at a restaurant, they're not our enemy. May we be godly in our interactions with all people that we work with, that we live by, that we live with, and even within the body of Christ. What will your attitude be towards people 
this year. In Resolution 10 from verses 31 and 32 says, Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways. For the Lord detests a perverse man, but takes the upright into his confidence. And I think sometimes as Christians, we, we think that the, the evil of this world and, and the people that maybe are not in Christ, that they're getting ahead in life. And that the, the good guy or girl, they, they finish last. And we start to wish that our lives were like the lives of the people in the world. That we start to think that we have to be like the world if we're going to get ahead. But I want to challenge you to keep being who God has called you to be in Jesus Christ. Be men and women of integrity. Don't get caught up in wanting to be like the world because it looks like they have everything that you want. Make the things of God your first priority this year. It is then and only then that we truly begin to live a life worth living. Harold Ross started the New Yorker magazine years ago in small offices with little equipment. One day in a restaurant downstairs, he met Dorothy Parker, one of the magazine's first writers. And he says, he asked, what are you doing down here? Why aren't you upstairs working? And this is interesting. I don't know if you'll catch it or not. But somebody was using the pencil, she explained. So I came down for some coffee. From such humble beginnings... The New Yorker has become a famous and widely circulated magazine. Almost everything great had a small beginning. You've got to start somewhere. And when, when it comes to this year of 2020, we each have an opportunity to start anew again in our walk with Jesus. And it may start small, but the important thing is, is that it has to start somewhere. My prayer for each and every one of us would be that we would spend the next few days reading through and praying through Proverbs 3. Is there something from these verses that God is placing on your heart to work on in 2020? Maybe you need to surrender your life for the very first time in order to really begin to live the life God has always wanted you to live. And if that's you this morning, as the praise team comes forward I would encourage you to really begin to pray about surrendering your life over to Christ. May each one of us take the opportunity to start this new year with a clean slate. May we look to God in 2020 to have the eyes of our hearts opened as Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. If you need to know the hope of a, a life far greater than anything we'll experience here on this earth, then may you come as we sing a song of invitation. May you not wait another day.
Will you please stand with us? Walks with me. You may be seated.